0: Are you ready for a podcast that can offer more than just talking points about politics and religion? This is a podcast where you, the listener, can make an impact because I believe we're called to do more than just talk as progressive Christians. We lead a life with purpose, led by our faith, to create real change for the progress of humanity because Progress is change. At the core of democracy is the power of the people, the power of us. At the core of faith is God's love for us. Join me, Quentin Wilts, and together we can build the courage to climb society's mountains of injustice. I'm talking about race, poverty, healthcare, education, the environment, and produce meaningful change. If we root ourselves in God's unending love and just a mustard seed of faith, we won't have to climb mountains because together we'll have the power to move them. Hi, I'm your host, Quentin Wiltz. Do you consider yourself a progressive? Do you consider yourself a Christian? Are progressives even Christian at all? In this episode, I'll get to the heart of what is a progressive Christian. I'll also explain how being vulnerable can be a strength, and you'll learn about an organization changing the lives of vulnerable youth. Stay tuned until the end where you'll discover all you need to know on this episode of the Progressive Christian Podcast. So I'd like to start this podcast by getting you in the frame of mind, in the right frame of mind, uh, as we talk about the things, the issues that that really play our society. And so uh, way back, uh, there was an apostle by the name of Paul, very inspirational. And so my middle name is Paul. So I figured, hey, let's kick this thing off. So uh, something I want to start doing and hope you like it, a reading from the podcast of Quentin Paul, to the progressives. Brothers and sisters, part of being a Christian means you live with purpose. Striving for a more equitable and just society is what makes you a progressive. Having the faith to believe we can create a society where it is a reality is what makes you a progressive Christian. So you're listening and you're probably stumbled upon this podcast and you're thinking progressive and Christian don't really go together. Or if you're like me, you're thinking if you're a Christian... And it means you should be a progressive because in today's society, it seems that the only narrative that we hear from is evangelicals is is in order to be a Christian, you must be conservative. And I I just think that's far from the truth. And so I'd like to tell you my journey and how I arrived where I am today. So in 2020, uh, it was a tumultuous year for uh, millions of Americans. And, uh, you know, we dealt with a global pandemic that will continue to shape our behavior Our jobs, uh, our relationships, our families, and our lives uh, forever. Uh, So this past year, um, there are many days that uh, I found myself really deep in thought uh, and reflection. And sometimes I'd be alone just thinking and just praying for answers. And so many places across the U.S., businesses in Houston, they closed their offices and they required employees to work from home. So uh, this meant that uh, for me, I got two and a half hours of my life back. Uh, that would normally be spent uh, commuting and traffic um, I was able to to work from home so uh, I started, Walking and running and, and finding other ways to uh, to take this time. And so one afternoon, I, um, I have a 16 year old son, and we were walking, and you know, just father and son, and uh, talking about life and sports and school, and then eventually it got into politics, you know, about the whatever the politics of the day were. I don't even remember, but uh, but he asked me about Democrats and Republicans and what my thoughts were um, about political parties, and then eventually local politics. And so then he asked me about progressives and liberals and he said, "Well, are you a conservative Christian?" <laughs> and then I, re- I tried to respond, but then as soon as before I can even get a word in, he interrupted me. And he said, "Well, never mind, you know, you're a democrat, so you can't be a conservative Christian." And I just was like, "Hold on, buddy." I said, "Well, that's not necessarily true." I said, I'm a progressive Christian. And he was like, a progressive Christian? What's that? He said, you just made that up. And I mean, I never heard of that. And I said, well, just because you never heard of it, obviously you're 16, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Just never been taught. In the simplest moments, in just really small but meaningful conversations, uh, we sometimes realize things that will change our lives forever, and, and I think it did. At least for me, looking back, the seed had been planted for the Progressive Christian Podcast, and if I was looking for anything for that seed to be nurtured in faith, it was 2020. Not long after that conversation, um, we were still being shown images on the news of children being locked in cages at the Texas border, George Floyd, an unarmed citizen murdered by Derek Chauvin, who was a police officer. And the interesting thing about um, George Floyd, not just the movement that it started, but he uh, was laid to rest uh, less than 10 minutes from where I live. Later in July 2020, you know, unfortunately, like millions of other Americans, uh, we personally experienced the grief that they felt uh, because two very, very important people in our lives had succumbed to COVID. And in the midst of trying to maintain jobs and managing and running a local political campaign um, that would, you know, hopefully one day change the lives of about 130,000 people and build a more inclusive community. We were working very hard, but it didn't stop there because just after probably the most historic election in our city's history, and even the national level, Thanksgiving, uh, my wife and I, we got into a major car accident and we nearly lost our lives. But uh, for the grace of God, uh, we walked away without a scratch every day, uh, you know, we live our lives, we dream, we wonder, we ask, what is my purpose? What is our purpose and so every step we take is progress towards discovering you know who we are and how we fit into god 's purpose for us in our lives and our families and in our communities. You know we know, I know uh, that you know, we all face many challenges, uh, but uh, in fact. If you're listening and if you're speaking, then you're still here. And so now in 2021, given all that's happened to me and my family uh, and even around the world and communities with racial and political unrest, COVID, anxiety, uh, and then, you know, obviously um, accidents that that do happen, uh, we realize just how precious our time here is and that uh, we should definitely choose to spend it with those we care about. So as a family, we committed uh, to reading the entire Bible this year, and we just wanted to strengthen our relationship, not only as a family, but we wanted to strengthen our faith, and we wanted to challenge ourselves to do something that hopefully uh, we will make this world better than when we left it, and we wanted to find out, you know, just more about who who we really are. Well, I guess the, the next logical question is, well, how do you know who you are? Well, part of who we are is defined by our actions. And in Genesis, Abraham makes a covenant with God. And so uh, I'll leave references to the the scripture verse. It's Genesis 17, 10 to 12. Uh, This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You're to go undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. In order to prove you believed, you had to, (laughs) you had to be circumcised. And so imagine if you're at the table with your family and you're reading this part of the Bible and I'm looking across at my 16 year old and he's looking at me and we just looking at each other and we're like, Nope. <laughs> and so you got to think to yourself, what kind of commitment uh, to your belief would you have to have to prepare for this process or even go through with it? Who would you bring with you? Right. Who would you have at your side? And It's strange that it only talks about men, or maybe I just missed it. But what about a Christian woman? Can you imagine? I mean, given the status of women at the time, their place in their particular society, the burdens they already face, what else did they have to undergo to not just prove their devotion to their family, their people, but to this God that they are now choosing to follow? So really interested, send us an email at mail at pcpodcast.org or just DM us at uh, pcpodcast on Instagram. I really would love to hear from you uh, because I really want to know. And even more importantly in today's society as man, woman, LGBTQ, what does that mean for us? Well, to me, it means we have to be vulnerable as progressive Christians. We can be vulnerable in three ways. We can be vulnerable by learning, we can be vulnerable by listening or we can be vulnerable to constructive criticism. And so how often have we done something because we were confident we knew how to do it, like play a sport, competition or anything in class, college. Vulnerability comes uh, when we engage in something new. So we try something we've never done before. We meet people we've never met, pray with people who don't pray or worship like us. And and we're open to vulnerable. Ability when we try something new. So the first time, for example, I visited a masjid, uh, I was 35. Uh, so that's if you're Muslim, uh, it's one of like a mosque or um, a Lutheran church even at 33, non-denominational, 29, uh, Methodist, I think I was probably younger, maybe 25, uh, Buddhist temple, 38. And so i had gone most of my life and not experienced these things and not been vulnerable to, to learning something new. Uh, and it is, I mean, you kind of, you have to open yourself up. And so each time, no matter what I felt completely out of place and that that's that vulnerability that I'm talking about. And so we can also be vulnerable by listening. And you know, how many times have we sat <laughs> and uh, listened and I'm, I'm doing air quotes. You can't see it, but because when we're really not listening, we're just waiting for an opportunity for us to speak, to tell somebody else how much we know, right? That's, kind of how it works but if you truly listen and you hear and understand what the other person is saying it is a a form of vulnerability because in essence you're transferring uh, that power to the presenter or the speaker uh, and you're open to what they have to say they have the floor Uh, there's no room for interjection and you just listen you open your mind uh, your heart and to try to receive what it is uh, they're trying to tell you i know we don't have necessarily have to think of it uh, that way as far as the transfer of power, but more so of sharing power because the speaker, whoever they are, they're they're trying to tell us something about themselves, their point of view, their experiences. They're sharing what they know with you. And I think that's very special because even if a person doesn't agree with you, at least they are taking the time to share their experience. So when we listen, we truly open ourselves up. To learning, another way we can be vulnerable uh, is to be open to constructive criticism, and I, I want to and I want to stress that it's constructive because when we allow our way of thinking to be subjected to criticism, we grow. And I, and I'm specifically talking about constructive criticism and not destructive. And the difference is in the intent because destructive criticism it's like weights, you know, they weigh us down. They're just trying to come at us, uh, but constructive criticism. They are pointed, but they help us to see the things that actually are weighing us down so that we can work either collectively to try to remove them so that we can rise to be our best. And so although we may not have shared experiences or we may have shared experiences, uh, they aren't the same because we've experienced them in our own life, in our own skin with our own strengths and our own weaknesses. And sometimes the outcomes may be the same, uh, but the paths may be very, very different. And so we can't live in their skin. We can't live in their faith, in their neighborhood, with their income, with their parents, or their brothers and sisters, or their families, because God made each one of us perfectly imperfect. So we each, no one is the same. And so our dependency should be on God for faith so that we can be better if we are to be vulnerable uh, to change. And that change that I talk about, that is the progress. And collective progress can be really powerful because it forms a mutual understanding uh, where all of us seek to be more inclusive. I guess you have to ask yourself, are we willing, truly willing for ideas to be circumcised? I mean, the foreskin of our pride and masculinity removed in order to proclaim, to follow a new way of thinking. And so God teaches us that alone, you know, we we really are weak. But I think when we pull together and we're grounded in God's love, we find our true strength. uh, We find our true power. If you're looking for an opportunity in today's society to find where we can be vulnerable, then you don't have to look very far. There's nothing that gets at the heart of many of the problems we face in society inequities and injustice. Uh, The root typically is race and power. Unfortunately, it's our biggest weakness. And so how can we turn arguably our biggest weakness, into our collective strength. And that is why you're listening to this podcast, because these are problems, and this is one of them, that I can't solve uh, alone. And I need you as progressive Christians. I think we need each other. In America, especially right now, we're witnessing centuries of racial supremacy and superiority that continues decade after decade to rear its nastiness. And it's playing out right now in a Minnesota courtroom, even though uh, this trial is about Convicting a man for an alleged crime, we know that it is a manifestation of our biggest weakness. And it's playing out right in front of our eyes. And it, it's done so for years in various court cases, or just events that we've seen that those with power use power to oppress those without. And this time, using race as a justification to punish, or uh, the inability to see beyond race as a justification to punish. But yet again, we were all witness to live on-camera murder of a black citizen by the hands of a person sworn to uphold the law. And so in other words, an unarmed citizen put to death by an officer of the government. And, you know, I live in Texas. There's a lot of talk about tyrannical government. I mean, is this not tyranny? While there's so many things we can discuss about how we arrived at this moment, I just want to focus on just something else, and that's bystanders. I've had conversations with several people, about being a bystander. I've never witnessed firsthand something like this, so obviously I can't really truly say what it is I'm going to do in that situation. But whether you are a Christian or not, you probably know that in the Christian faith, just recently we celebrated what is perhaps the most important moment in that faith, and that is the conviction, trial, torture, murder, and resurrection of a poverty-stricken carpenter, an evangelist named Jesus. In the Bible, Uh, There's numerous accounts where, you know, as he was going through his passion, as we like to say it, there was tons of opportunities for people whom he confided in, whom he knew he thought he was his friends. These are people he traveled with and ministered with and, you know, performed miracles and all these things. And people who believed in what he was about and they didn't speak up to save him. They had opportunities and they didn't. And so that's why I wanna focus on the bystanders because I All this was going on in my mind through Easter and through this trial. And so I'm just going to ask you, if you had an opportunity and you were witness to someone, you know, maybe not even led to death, but just someone that was being persecuted, would you do something? Would you do something in their moment of vulnerability? Would you too be vulnerable and open to their sacrifice, their pain or, or their problems? And other officers stood by. They did nothing to save him, right? That we can see uh passers by people stood by they 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 recorded, they videoed it had it not been for the video, who knows where we would be uh so they you know they did that act, but as far as physically taking or removing the officer Derek chauvin, they didn't do anything and I, and I'm not blaming them uh, I'm not blaming anyone at the scene because you know none of us are taught to intervene with the police. We're taught to respect the police, we're taught to trust the police when you see a person in a badge abusing their power abusing their trust, are you just going to stand by and watch? And if we want to live in a world where your skin color are being singled out as other is no longer a determining factor in equal access to justice and fair treatment under the law, education, healthcare, housing, <laughs> jobs, how can we still be bystanders? How can we be bystanders in our own democracy? Because progress doesn't happen on its own. And as progressive Christians, thoughts and prayers aren't good enough. That's what separates us. That's what makes us different because thoughts and prayers are not good enough. We have to act in the things we do every day. There's ways that we can help. And one of the ways that we can create a more equitable community is by supporting people already doing the work. There's organizations out there. They transform the lives of the vulnerable and they try to work to end the cycle of profiling and imprisonment. And one organization that does just that is 8 million stories. 8 million stories is a nonprofit founded in 2017 to support disconnected youth in Houston, Houston, Texas. And their mission is to transform the lives of vulnerable youth through education, skills, training, employment, and building authentic relationships. So young people, especially young men of color, are disappearing from schools, communities, and the workforce. Fueled by zero tolerance policies and in-school policing, the school to prison pipeline is sweeping disproportionately high numbers of youth into the criminal justice system. For many, it is the start of a lifelong cycle of poverty imprisonment juvenile justice involves youth who lack support and employment prospects upon release they they often struggle to reenter society and face a high risk of recidivism and so eight million stories is working to solve these problems they're doing something and we need to be part of that to help In this cycle. So their website is www.8millionstories.org. You can reach out to them. uh, Phone number is 832 217 3246, or you can send them an email at info at 8millionstories.org. That's it. That's all for this episode. Stay tuned to the next episode as we explore faith in God or faith in the COVID vaccine. Where would you put your faith? You've been listening to the Progressive Christian Podcast. Remember to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, at PC Podcast. Like and follow on Facebook, and that's Progressive Christian Podcast. Email us at mail at pcpodcast.org or you can call and leave us a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you. The number is 346-200-9478. I truly want to thank you for listening and spending your time with me. Progress comes if we commit to learn, love, live, and listen. Change happens when we work. Progress happens when we work together. I'm Quentin Wilts and you've been listening to Progressive Christian Podcast.